people are talking about bail reform in Harris County. But what the heck is that? Is it working? Why do I even care? Today, CityCast correspondent Evan Mintz, who is also the Arnold Ventures Communication Manager for Criminal Justice Issues, is going to explain it to me. It is Tuesday, April 5th, 2022. I am Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. All right, Evan, you have got to break this down for me like I am a golden retriever. I I will gladly go through this step by step to the extent that I can. All right, so what is a bail bond? Let's say from the very beginning, you get arrested. Bad news, bad news, Lisa, you've been arrested. (laughs) Okay, for anything. For anything. A class B misdemeanor or above. What is a class B misdemeanor? How bad have I been? A class B misdemeanor is like one of the lowest level offenses you can get. So I spat on somebody. You spat on someone or you threatened someone with violence. Uh, Maybe you have a really low level drug possession charge. And maybe I did it. Maybe I didn't. But I'm arrested. And you know, even if you did do it, the burden's on the state to prove that you did it. You're presumed innocent. Even if they deserved it. But all right, I'm taken in. You're taken in. And then you get brought before a magistrate who looks at you, your record, your charge, and decides how much money you have to pay to get out of jail before your trial. And that's a bail bond. Mm-hmm. Now, often what happens is that people can't really afford this money, so they'll go to a bail bondsman right. who will take about 10% and then provide the rest. And while different jurisdictions have different rules, generally, if you do not miss court dates, and if you do not reoffend, you get that money back at the end. Uh, but it doesn't always work like that. But the key thing that we're going to talk about today is just how it worked in the misdemeanor courts, the lowest level courts that you have in the county system. This is class A misdemeanors, class B misdemeanors. This is where you get your, you know, your fights, but no one really got that badly hurt. Your DWIs, your drug possession, your low level thefts, you know, the things where if a, uh, a teenager or a college student were to get in trouble for something, yeah. that kind of stuff. Okay. When I worked in the misdemeanor courts under Judge Jake Carahan, I would run the the intake where I'd look at all the cases we had that day and I'd look out at the people sitting in the seats and I'd try to guess, well, who did what by looking at them? <laughs> and usually you're pretty good at identifying like who got a DWI, who got drunk at a party, who got in a fight. <laughs> How can you and tell? I would also... I would play another game, too, of, okay, who do I know who's done this kind of stuff? Because these really are, like, low-level things. Right, right, right. Where what you got in trouble for was probably being obvious about it or doing something in a place where there's a lot of police officers. And sometimes that has racial implications. Sometimes it shows you were just being dumb about it. Right. Sometimes it showed that you just pissed off someone who, rather than brushing it off or confronting you, Uh, wanted to call the police. Okay, so now I'm in jail. Why do I need bail? Bail is supposed to serve two purposes. It's supposed to ensure that either, one, you don't commit any new crimes before your trial. Yeah. Or two, that you actually show up to court dates, that you don't try to flee. Right. But by using money as a way to decide these two things, it basically says, well, if you're poor, we're going to keep you behind bars. If you're rich or even just have, you know, $250 on hand to pay a bail bondsman, you can get out of here. And that's a really poor assessment for what's going on. But it turned out that that is how our misdemeanor courts have been running for a long, long time. 
that people who just couldn't afford low-level bail, a bail that maybe to you and me seems like something you could get out of pocket or out of a checking account, they just couldn't afford it. Most Americans can't afford $400 right when they need it. Right. And so Miranda Lynn O'Donnell, who was 22 years old, she was living paycheck to paycheck. She had a four-year-old daughter, where if you do the math, it means she had her daughter when she was 18, and she was arrested for driving on a suspended license, a misdemeanor, not a serious crime. Yeah. But she was assigned a $2,500 bail that she couldn't afford. She was living paycheck to paycheck. She had just started a job, was one week into it. And at no point during this bail hearing did anyone ask, like, hey, can you actually afford this? Uh, O'Donnell and two other litigants started a class action suit against the county in 2016 to say, hey, this whole process of cash bail for misdemeanors with no sense of whether you can afford it or not is unconstitutional. Uh, And they brought suit against the county with the help of Civil Rights Corps and some other lawyers. Mm -hmm. And the county fought it for a whole time. Yeah. But what these people were saying in the suit was, you're not doing it well enough. You're not doing individualized enough. And you're getting outcomes that are unconstitutional. Unconstitutional because they're just not fair. Unconstitutional because they violate due process and the Equal Protection Clause. Okay. And so you have some people uh, start to peel off. Uh, Republican Judge Mike Fields flipped and said, no, like this system is unconstitutional. We should be reforming it. These people are right. Uh, we should settle with them. And then in 2018, Democrats swept the county. And they changed positions from the Republicans who previously controlled the county and said, yes, we are going to settle. Uh, and you had support from Ed Gonzalez, who is the sheriff. You had support from a Republican judge. And not directly, but kind of philosophically, you have support from Chief Justice Nathan Hecht, who for a long time has been saying that we need to change the way we run the pretrial system in Texas. He would point out that more than 77 percent of the Harris County jail population is still legally innocent. They just haven't been convicted of a crime. Ouch. And it costs Harris County a lot of money to keep people in jail, as well as wrecking their lives, making them lose their jobs, right? Mm -hmm. About a billion dollars a year. You know, if you're sitting behind bars while still innocent, you're likely to lose a job. You may have trouble getting someone to watch your kids. I even heard someone say, you know, I worry about who's going to watch their pets. And research shows that the longer you stay behind bars, the worse the outcomes are. And in fact, it has a, a criminogenic association that people who spend more time behind bars and then are released at some point, you know, maybe it takes them a week, a month, two months to get the money for bail. Uh, the longer you spend, the higher the association is with committing a new crime before trial. Oh, wow. So this idea that like, well, we've punished them a little bit, slap on the wrist, they'll be scared straight. It doesn't work like that. So you maybe lose your job and you now know somebody who will sell catalytic converters for you or something crazy like that. Yeah. I mean, just put it this way. Uh, You take someone away from their friends, their family, their job, their community. You put them in the worst building in Houston, which (laughs) if you've ever been to the jail, it is the worst building in Houston. Yeah. Surrounded with a bunch of other people who have also been accused of crimes. Do you think this is going to make them better off or worse off? Yeah. It's pretty straightforward. So after this 2016 suit makes its way through the courts, in 2019, you finally get a settlement between the county and the litigants. Uh, And I just want to emphasize this is just for the misdemeanor courts, not the felony courts. And to put it pretty bluntly, about 70% of misdemeanors now just get 
a presumption of release no matter how much you can afford. Just right away, you're going to get released. There's some cutouts for violating court orders around family violence, second DWI charges, uh, new crimes while out on bail or on probation or parole, things like that. Where like clearly you got your first chance and- You blew it. You blew it. Yeah, exactly. But for most cases, you're getting released. Mm -hmm. And even for those where there's not a quick release, but you're going to have a bail hearing, now you have a defense attorney there with you. Because it used to be in these bail hearings, you were not allowed to say anything. Oh. You cannot advocate for yourself. The hearing officers would get mad at you. There's a recording of someone, instead of saying yes to the hearing officer, said yeah, and then their bail got jacked up. (laughs) Just stuff like that. Wow. And the results are out after two years of data. It's it's incredible. The the recidivism rates are unchanged. Okay. Misdemeanor charges have plummeted. Detention rates have fallen. Case dismissals have skyrocketed. It's gone. It's in, it's just fascinating to see how well uh, this is operating, particularly at a time when there is a lot of pushback against criminal justice reform. Yeah. Like this is the one thing that's worked, and it's worked really well. We should be proud of this. Okay, so why would misdemeanor charges fall? So a similar thing. What is going on there? A similar thing happened in New Jersey when they implemented their reforms, which is much broader than this one. Mm-hmm. But they recognized that it used to be that if you're charged with a misdemeanor and you'd get held on bail, most, uh, not most people, a lot of people would say, you know, I just want to go home. Yeah. And prosecutors would say, all right, plead guilty. We'll give you two days, three days time served for the time you spent in jail and we could all be done with. And people would agree to that. In fact, in the O'Donnell suit, one of the prosecutors testified that this happened on a regular basis. And when I was there in the courts, I saw this happen on a regular basis. When you couldn't just put the squeeze on people to get them to plead guilty, suddenly you actually have to go to trial. Oh, okay. And if you plead guilty, then you've got this thing on your record. Now, now sometimes people can get deferred adjudication, stuff like that. Okay. But yeah, it's on your record. Right. And you're going to have these barriers to entry. You know, it's April is second chances month. And just a recognition that involvement with the criminal justice system raises barriers to getting a house, renting an apartment, getting a job, getting job licensure, all these things uh, that could ruin the lives of people who in the moment were entitled to due process and entitled to a trial, but just wanted to get back home. And so they pleaded guilty to something that either they didn't do, and we, we know specifically that's happened a lot. Uh, because people would plead guilty to drug crimes, then the drugs would be tested later, and we'd realize those weren't actually the drugs. So that that's happened in many circumstances in Harris County. Aye, aye, aye. Or people, maybe they did do it, but they're presumed innocent, and they're entitled to a trial uh, to defend themselves. And so when you can't do that anymore in these misdemeanor courts, you can't put the squeeze to people, it's a lot harder to take them in. It's a lot harder to find them guilty. Uh And so we're seeing a massive number of dismissals now. It used to be about uh, one-third of misdemeanors were dismissed. Now it's two-thirds. Wow. Mm -hmm. And just looking at it from an operations perspective, if you know a lot of these charges aren't going to end up anywhere, then why are you going to waste your time harassing people, arresting them for these misdemeanors when I think all of us would rather see law enforcement focus on violent crimes? And this isn't just a dynamic that happened in Harris County after these reforms. We saw it happen in New Jersey as well. So why am I hearing so many people pushing back? I think there's two 
maybe three things going on. One is that, yes, there has been a spike in homicides in Houston. Uh, it's been everywhere, but it's also in Houston. And people want to uh, get crime under control. Uh, and often that gut response to say, well, if we did something that was made life easier for people who were facing charges, now we want to make it tougher for them. And I would say the system, it just doesn't work like that. Two is that the system is confusing and people are confusing what's happened in the misdemeanor courts and what's happening in the felony courts. So people see some pretrial release decisions being made at the felony level of people who had charges for violent crimes, reoffended, got set another bail, were able to make that bail for whatever reason. Right. Like they don't want that to happen again. They want to make sure that if you have a new offense while out on bail, you get behind bars, you're stuck there. But just looking at the data in these misdemeanor courts and just listening to people's anecdotes, like there's no reason to roll this back. Crime Stoppers supports it. The ACLU supports it. The sheriff supports it. Everyone's on board with this. Uh, and it really gets at a sense that I think everyone agrees on, which is that if you committed a low-level offense, like we're not really scared you're going to do anything to really hurt anyone. Uh, we don't want to ruin your life. Please just go home. Show up for trial and we will talk then. Absolutely. And maybe there are a few cases where we need to put different conditions, just knowing what we know about folks. But we also know that majority of people, even in violent crime cases, don't commit new offenses. They show up to trial. Yeah. But I think everyone agrees that we should be releasing folks who just committed low-level offenses. And we probably should be doing a better job of putting the right conditions on people who are committing really violent offenses and are likely to commit new ones before trial. So that is something that could be changed that we should do to improve what we're doing now? Well, in the misdemeanor courts, we already have this pretty successful settlement. Right. So I don't think too much needs to be touched there. Okay. In the felony courts, I get a little frustrated when people say, well, there's been bond reform, there's been bail reform in the felony courts. There hasn't. In our felony courts, we're still running under the same old-fashioned cash bail status quo that we've been running under for decades. So when we're talking violent crime, mm -hmm. there has not been bail reform, period. No bail stop. reform. Okay. Just looking at the breakdown of the jail right now, half the people in the jail are there on nonviolent offenses. About 15% are assessed as below average risk. About 15% are there on a $10,000 or less bond. Like if they had 1000 bucks in their pocket, they'd be out. Right. So wow. clearly, we're not just reserving the jail for the worst of the worst. We're also stuck in this problem where we have a massive backlog of cases. And so someone you know, gets a really high cash bail, they make it, which people do, then they get out, and then we wait, and we wait, and we wait, and then they commit a new offense. And if they'd gone to tra trial really quickly... Maybe that new offense wouldn't have happened. Oh. Or maybe they would have gone to trial and they would have been uh, held in prison and then they would have been released and then they commit a new offense. And we'd say like, well, that wouldn't make the alarms go off for new offense while out on bail. Right. So a lot of weird stuff is happening that just didn't used to happen and it's all happening at once. Okay. Bottom line is we should be happy about what's going on with misdemeanor bails in Harris County mm -hmm. right now. Absolutely. It's not making crime worse, and it's improving individual people's lives. And the ideal is that it frees up our criminal justice system to focus on the high-risk cases, the violent crime cases, where I think most folks would rather see DAs and law enforcement and judges put all their attention. That makes perfect sense. 
All right. Well, thanks so much, Evan. Anytime. All right. I am with Farrell Gibbs, who has got some news from around Houston. Thank you, Lisa. Well, as Eric Berger from Space City Weather asked yesterday, are you ready for some 90-degree weather? They and other Houston meteorologists are saying that we could be flirting with breaking an all-time high. The record? It hit 90 degrees back on this day in 1982. So, Space City Weather is saying that we should be right at that number. If not 90 degrees, then 89. And hitting temperatures near 90 degrees is not just a possibility for today. It is also forecast to be that high tomorrow as well. Now, of course, Lisa, I am aware of your big Houston gripe this week that we are all going to be entering into a sweltering summer soon enough, but do not fret. Apparently, there's also a cold front due in later this week that is going to make for some more of that sublime Houston 70-degree weather that should last all weekend long. That's all for today's show. If you like what you hear, you may enjoy our newsletter. Sign up. It's free. It's good. It's at houston.citycast.fm. We will be back tomorrow. Oh, crud. Surely. Yeah. It's no fair when you're editing yourself. Ha, <laughs> ha,